Hello and good evening. Warm enough for you? <laughs> I shouldn't mock. I should not. I love it warm, but uh, I like it cold as well. But, you know, I know that some people can't cope with the heat. But anyway, here I am, Denise, enjoying the warmth, as I hope you are, and not burning up too much. Uh, we've got some lovely music this evening, as always, on Happy Classics here on Sid Valley Radio. Um, and of course, it's that time of the year, isn't it? You get a lot of people getting married this time of the year, don't you? And, uh, I don't want to be very obvious and play Mendelssohn's um, Wedding March, but here's one, which is, I always like to start the loud the show loud, as you know. So this is pretty loud, and there's many a bride walked up the aisle to this.
Well, that was Vidor's uh, Toccata from his organ symphony. Simon Preston doing the honours. Didn't he do them very well? I've got to say, if, uh, that's a pretty serious piece of music to walk down the aisle to. I think these days, um, that things are a bit more relaxed, aren't they? If you have one of these weddings that's sort of at, uh, not necessarily in church, not a sort of high church wedding, you'll have something a bit more, I don't know, a bit laid back. So if you want to let me know what you walked up the aisle to either up the aisle or back down again do let me know email me on studio sid valley radio at the, i'll say that again shall i easy for me to say not studio at sid valley radio uk or you can text me 07565 so busy all week busy all week but uh, glad to be back here on thursday evening doing the honors for you for two hours just the best music to put a smile on your face maybe get you to waltz around the kitchen a bit Got uh, one or two things from the movies, a couple of other little things, but maybe a little choral piece there towards the end I see. Yes, very nice. very nice. And the usual, the usual Holy Trinity, Beethoven, Bach, Mozart will be making an appearance. Should we keep it going with the pomp and circumstance? Oh, what a dreadfully, dreadful link that was, but you know what's coming now.
are a bit of a throwback there to the coronation. I know that uh, that particular pomp and circumstance, which of course was number five, in case you hadn't spotted it, I'm sure you had. Number five in C major. Um, a bit of a throwback to the coronation there, the, the London Phil under Daniel Barenboim. And I played that because, did you see at the weekend, the trooping of the colour? I thought it was lovely. I, I was watching it. I was chatting to my auntie Eileen, who was watching on her telly in the north of England in Lancashire, where she lives. And I had it on my telly and we had each other on Skype. I said, oh, look at that. Isn't that lovely? Look what she's wearing. And isn't that a wonderful horse? And isn't it uh, all of that? And it's quite nice, isn't it, that you can be miles and miles and miles away from someone, but both be watching the same thing and having a chat as if you're in the same room with, you know, bucket of popcorn between you and chatting about uh, what you're looking at. So that was really good. And uh, I thought it was a lovely day. And it was the biggest turnout, wasn't it, of forces for the Troop in the Colour that we've had for many a long year. And the, obviously the first one for King Charles. And I thought that was great. So I couldn't not play a bit of Pomp and Circumstance. And I couldn't not play the following piece of music because did you see the fly past? Because poor old Charles on the Coronation Day, the weather was a bit meh. So uh, they didn't get the, he didn't get the full fly past, but they, they had 70, 70 aircraft this time going over Buckingham Palace and it was just great and of course always finished off by the Red, Red Arrows who will be making a visit to Sibbeth too as well on the last Friday of August so if you are a local you'll enjoy it if you're not a local put it in your diary and get down to Sibbeth on that Friday evening and watch that fantastic display. So here we go then, the, the thing that, to, that will remind you of and help celebrate that wonderful fly pass we've got the 633 Squadron the central band of the Royal Air Force, of course, is going to play. And um, I think the, I think our resident military historian, Anthony, did give me uh, a bit of blurb about the 633. I think it was a fictitious squadron made up by somebody. I don't know. No doubt if he's listening to the show, he will ping me and let me know. But yeah, if you, if you ever want to know anything about military uh, history, tanks, planes, whatever, Anthony's your man. In the meantime, the 633.
Da, 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 da. You always feel like throwing a kipper, don't you, when you hear something like that. And I was chatting to Gavin, our resident uh, cowboy, who's just done the cowboy show. <laughs> yeah, and he said, it's, I always thought it was the 633 squadron, he said. And I said, well, I don't know. You could say 633. You could say 633. I said 633. And then, of course, having mentioned our resident military historian, <laughs> I get a text message from him saying, yes. It is. 63 Squadron was a fictional squadron. And he said, and the RAF used the full digit 633. So, dare I say, having been told by the cowboy and from the resident historian, military, military historian. I'm sure, I'm sure I, you know. I'm, go- I'm only going from junior choice. Oh. Sorry. I'm only going from junior choice away back in the 60s. I can't believe you're that old, Gavin. Oh, <laughs> more than that. I'm not going to say any more about that. But yeah, there we go, folks. For those of you that don't, obviously, ignoramuses such as myself, it is the 633. And that's the Dambuster okay, Squadron. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and, and Gavin said, is, is the 633 the Dambuster Squadron? But apparently, no, that was not fixed. Well, it, it wouldn't be, would it? Because it's. Six, 617. The 617, because it wouldn't be fictional, was it? Because the Dambuster was a real thing. It was a real thing. Anyway. Oh, so 633. No, it was fictitious. Fictitious. It was fictitious. Anyway, moving swiftly on. I'm going to turn your microphone off now, Gavin. So, um, so yes, yeah, so there we go. A bit of military history for you. Don't say that you don't learn things listening to Happy Classics here on Sid Valley Radio with me, Denise, and also my backup squad of Gavin and the wonderful Anthony, who knows more about military history than uh, the rest of the world put together, probably. So we're going to stay warm uh, because that's been the weather, <laughs> has it not? And um, I'm going to play a piece of music. I've played it several times on the show over the, over the five or six years that I've, I've uh, done the show. And I thought to myself, I'm going to see if I can find another version of it. And do you know what? I was listening to loads of different versions of this tune by um, oh, Rodrigo. Thank you very much. He popped out, out of my head, then popped in again by Rodrigo. And I could not find. No, it was, it's not by him. It's by Arturo Marquez. That's also just popped into my head. I'm definitely having a moment. I could not find a better version than the one I've played many number of times. So here we go. Arturo Marquez, his Conga del Fuego, so fiery dance because it is a bit warm. Gustavo Dudamel is going to conduct the Simon Bolivar Youth Orchestra of Venezuela. Thank you. 
Oh, that's a great version. That. It must be because they're so young, the Simon Bolivar Youth Orchestra of Venezuela, because I listen to various different versions of that. And um, it's a conga, isn't it? So it's, 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 a, it's a happy, jolly, running along in a line sort of dance. And I have to say, the ones, the other ones that I heard, and I did, I did try about half a dozen different versions, and nothing has the, the zhuzh, the joie de vivre that you see or hear in that version by the Simon Bolivar Youth Orchestra. So good old Gustavo Gustavo. Do you know what is wrong with my mouth tonight? Gustavo Dudamel. I'm having a moment, another moment. Um, he did. He obviously did a great job with those young kids, and he got that fantastic noise out of them. So well done, Gustavo, known as the Dude, of course. And it's quite interesting because Gavin was just sitting there. He goes, is that, is that river dance? I said, funny enough, Gavin. No, it isn't. But that is actually what I'm playing next. So I love the show river dance. I've seen it about three times and, uh, I think it's just the most amazing, uh, well, it's just a brilliant show. And Bill Whelan wrote a lot of the music for it, didn't he? And so this, this is a piece that is the actual river dance song. And I've taken off the choral bit at the front because that is very quiet. And of course, this is the loud end of the show. But even so, this does start fairly quiet, but uh, don't be fooled.
are going for the big finish there, the River Dance Orchestra under Bill Whelan. What a fantastic piece of music that is. Now, if you haven't seen the show, I don't know if it's still touring, actually. Um, but if, it ha- if you haven't seen it, just see if you can get it on DVD or video or have a look at it on YouTube. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, being from Irish descent myself, um, seeing those chaps and girls do that fantastic Irish dancing, you've got to say, it's just awesome. We're going to go from Ireland to Italy now. So, well, why not? Because they both begin with an I. (laughs) It's the only reason I can make a link between the two of them, because uh, I think I've said in the past, sometimes I have a little a little theme that runs through the show today. Not so much. It's just like whatever I feel like playing. And so so I was just playing all sorts today. So um, we're going to play the Anvil Chorus. Bit of Verdi. This is a bit loud as well, which is why it's in the front end of the show. So I want you to get your hammers out now and uh, find a you know something heavy to hit them with, and just have a go and sing along as you're doing it. I'm sure. I'm sure that the uh, the Anvil Chorus singers on this one will absolutely love it if you do join in. Did you join in then? 
Did you get your hammer out and give it some welly, as we say up north? The Royal Philharmonic Orchestra there doing the honours. And there were various people that were singing. I think it was the Royal Philharmonic Choir as well, but I shall have to tell you that in a minute when my little thingy tells me. Hang on a minute, don't. Uh, just talk amongst yourselves a minute. <laughs> I've got this little feed that tells me who's been singing and doing what. And to be fair, I should have been paying more attention and making notes about who was singing that because, of course... Um, that would be a professional thing to do. But I'm going to say this is an amateur show. Don't you dare say, yeah, we can tell that, Denise, because I'll be very distressed. But yes, it, I've, I've been, I was chatting to Gavin and drinking the last of my cup of tea and one thing and another. I'm going to blame, no, it was the Royal Opera House Chorus that sang it. So <laughs> Gavin's looking at me, so I've completely lost my marbles. Well, I have one or two still left, but that was the Royal Opera House Chorus. <laughs> Oh dear, and Valerie Gergiev was conducting the lot of them. So what can I, what else can I say? Uh, I'll just get on with the next piece, shall I, and stop waffling. So we're half an hour through the show, and uh, I've had a couple of texts from the lovely Anthony, but of course you can uh, send me a message if you like, 07565825041, or studio at sibvalleyradio.co.uk on the emails, or go on to our website, click on the little box, and it will ping up here on my screen, and I will say hello. So um, I do love a bit of Handel, uh, and he, of course, is the composer of my theme tune, The Arrival of the Queen of Sheba, and uh, we did all of the, the lovely um, coronation anthems at uh, Choral Society in April for the wonderful coronation, funnily enough. And so I'll, I can't not, I've got to have a little bit of fix as well tonight of Handel. So here we are with his Concerto Grosso number 11 in A Major. Thank you. 
Wow, but a handle for you there. The Academy of Ancient Music under Andrew Manza. Also just walked in, so I better stop behaving myself. No more slip-ups like I did a minute ago, but don't tell him. It's our secret. Now, this is a... I nearly played the whole of this symphony, and that sounds like, oh, my goodness, it's going to go on for hours, but it's not. This is this is a really short symphony. I'm just going to play movements one and two. I love this one. William Boyce, symphony number four in F major. And whenever I hear this, I don't know if you think about... I mean, I live in the countryside now, obviously, Sidmouth, seaside countryside, where countryside meets seaside. It's absolutely beautiful. And um, I've joked before about having grown up in Liverpool, opposite Tower Works, and so uh, I just adore where I live at the moment. And I have to say, I have a sort of a two-minute walk from my house to my office in the day because this is not my day job, people. This is just what I do because I love it, and I love my job as well as it happens. I'm very fortunate. And um, I bumped into one of my neighbours a little while back, and he was having a bit of a hard time, and we chit chat, chit chat. And I was just walking that bit near where the bowling green, there's like, it's like a path, isn't there, in front of the bowling green, in between the, the clubhouse and the greens themselves. And I, I strolled down there on a, on a sunny day. And he had his little dog and we were having a chit chat, chit chat. And we were just talking about stuff. And I said to him about, I said, he said to me, you're always happy. I said, well, it's very difficult not to be, isn't it? Because this time of the day, and I think it was springtime, it was quite a nice day. Uh, it wasn't super duper warm, but it was sunny and it was lovely and things were starting to pop out on the uh, on the plants around and everything. I said, look at it. I said, this is, uh, his name was Ted. I said, look at this, Ted. I said, this is my commute to work. It's a two or three minute walk from near the hospital to my office. I said, and how can you not just love that environment when you see it and you've got the church overlooking the the, uh, the bowling greens and you've got the tennis courts. And, and I look at it and I think, good Lord, how on earth did I end up lucky enough to be living here and working here and having a commute like that? And he sort of he said to me, what a, what a wonderful attitude to have that you are just grateful for the walk to work. And I think, well, you've got to look at everything like that, don't you? Otherwise you go nuts because we all have a bit of rubbish in our lives, don't we? But it's how you handle it. I'm going to get on my little soapbox here. And you've just got to handle it. But this, when I think about the English countryside, I'll get back to the tunes in a minute. Here we are. I'm, I'm just doing a, a circuitous route. Here I am coming back to the tunes. So whenever I think of this particular piece of music by William Boyce, Symphony Number no. 4 in F major, whenever I hear it, I think English countryside. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> but I remember playing this. We did uh, an outside broadcast a couple of years ago at the... Um, at the uh, at the cricket ground, um, and it was the motor show. So this Sid Valley Radio had a, a little spot up there, and it was a gorgeous day. September, beautiful sunshine, warm, fantastic. Everyone was very happy. Beautiful cars, and uh, the boss had asked me would I mind doing a little setup there, and I said I've got no problem. I love it. Love doing an outside broadcast. Off I went, and I remember playing this and thinking it was such a quintessential English setting. And I thought, I just couldn't, I couldn't separate the two. So now I've got, not the whole symphony, I've taken out the slow movement in the middle, but sim, uh, but movements number one and three of this particular piece of voice. And you're, I'm going to play them back to back and you're going to think, yeah, summer's day, late summer's day, English countryside. Yeah.
Sounds like the English countryside, doesn't it? <laughs> the whole symphony is only about six and a half minutes, so uh, I think the pieces are like two minutes back to back or four minutes, two minutes each, four minutes back to back. But yes, in, the English concert, not the English concert orchestra, the English concert under Trevor Pinnock. I don't know why that, why don't they put orchestra on the end of that? The English concert. Anyway, that's the name of the, the, um, the orchestra, the English concert and Trevor Pinnock doing the, doing the thing. We always have a bit of music for the movies, don't we? Or nearly always. And here's one for you. Um, I think I've only got one today. Yes, I only have. I think I had about two or three last week, but only one this time. And this is um, this is a great film. Did you ever did you ever see Imitation Game, which of course was about Bletchley Park? And uh, of course, Bletchley Park as, a, as an entity only became came into the public public consciousness not that long ago. Um, I've got a, a book all about it at home. I find it absolutely fascinating that these people uh, were in this place and nobody had a clue what they were doing. And even within the complex, you know, Hut 2 didn't know what Hut 4 was doing, Hut 4 didn't know what Hut 3, 3 was doing. And it was absolutely fascinating. And of course, it's a brilliant film, wasn't it, with Benedict Cumberbatch and Charles Dance. Really great film. And uh, 
But the book, the, the, the factual book is even better if you can get hold of it and have a read of it. Absolutely amazing. And there are plenty of people that were not recognised in the film that were absolutely key to helping, um, oh, do you know, isn't awful? His, his name's, you know, the guy, Turing. Thank you, Alan Turing. I could hear you all screaming at the radio. <laughs> it popped into my head in the end. Alan Turing, it wasn't just him. There was a guy called Tommy Flowers who uh, was from Manchester as well. And he actually, uh, he built, he was a, he was a what was then um, the GPO, now BT. He was the GPO engineer who actually built the piece of equipment because that was his skill set. He was an engineer. So Turing could come up with the designs and say what he wanted it to do. But it was Tommy Flowers that actually put the damn thing together. And he never gets a mention in the film, which is a real shame, actually. And there was another guy. There were, there were, there were some Polish guys a couple, whose name has escaped me, sadly, to my shame, who were also uh, instrumental in getting that bomb machine to do the work in order to break the Enigma code. So Turing was the, the brains behind it, but he didn't do it on his own. So if you get the chance to have a read of the book, do. In the meantime, the music, and the, well, the film was great, and the music is just as good.
like the last chord of that slip away. It's quite uh, intriguing, isn't it? That piece of music sounds like what it is, breaking a code. Alexandre Desplat was uh, the composer of that, and he was also conducting the London Symphony Orchestra. Now, we're pretty much halfway through the show, and we have yet to hear from one of our wonderful Holy Trinity, but I'm about to put that right now. So we don't often have Mozart first, but we are halfway through the show, so it's not a loud piece. It is sort of halfway, sort of medium, medium flavour. And um, this is uh, my favourite uh, composition of his. It's this clarinet concerto in A major, not my favourite movement of that said uh, concerto. This is movement number one, but um, movement number two is my absolute favourite piece. But I mean, you can't fault any of this clarinet concerto, which is just at the most sublime piece of music. Anyway, it is the longest piece of music on our show this evening. It's 11 and a bit minutes. So if you've got something to do or if you just want to sit back and relax and just let this wash over you, then by all means, be my guest.
love that resolution at the end of that don't you as i said a wonderful bit of mozart there 11 and a half minutes of pure indulgence why not oh this chair is creaky can you hear it i'm sorry about that i have asked the boss to get me a new one but um i'm only tiny but when i'm whenever i'm moving it makes this noise but i'm sorry about that andrew mariner no no that's right. sir neville mariner let me get it right not andrew mariner at all sir neville mariner and the academy of st martin feels of course my favorite orchestra because they play my opening theme tune and that, of course, is the arrival of the Queen of Sheba. But Andrew Marin is there. He's playing the... That's, he's, yes, he's playing the, the clarinet. So it's his dad. That's why I put it in there. Sorry, I was having a... I was just thinking, what? what did, I, did I read that right? Yes, so Neville Marinet was the conductor, but his son, Andrew Marinet, was actually playing the clarinet, which was great, isn't it? Can you imagine being a proud dad conducting your, your, your son with the orchestra there? I think that must be very, very nice. I quite often play music that's uh, that you can dance to. We've had a conga this evening already. Quite often I'll throw a waltz, and I don't think I've got a waltz this evening, but I have got this. <laughs> Not sure you're going to be able to get uh, get a pair of clogs together. <laughs> but yes, I'm going to play the clog dance from La Fille Malgarde. And, uh, well... Have a go, clogs or not. It's a very cute little piece of music and uh, it was only for a couple of minutes. It's a bit of fun.
Ferdinand Harold or Harold Ferdinand's no, I'll get it right. Ferdinand Harold, that was his name. Because it's, it's strange, it's got two names, hasn't it? That could be the first name, but yes, Ferdinand Harold is uh, the guy. And he wrote that wonderful ballet, La Fille Magade. And that was the Royal Opera House Covent Garden there that were playing that. And the, the guy with the waving the baton at the front, John Lanchbury. What a great name that is. Quite often play a bit of uh, Vivaldi. And I, I always say he always did more than the Four Seasons. And this, I have to say, I think this is the most wonderful piece of music. And, and whenever I play it, and I, it's one of these ones that when it comes up on my little roller decks, I immediately put it straight back in the show. And I've got several like that. And regular listeners to my show will know what I mean because I have um, I throw new pieces in or you know p- play pieces from time to time. But I try and make sure that I don't play the same music all the time because we don't. I don't want to get bored. And uh, so I will sort of try and leave it a long time between playing pieces. But there are several pieces that when they turn up on my little oh the little roller decks, it's their time. I could either leave them in the pool to be picked up and fished up later, or I can put them straight back in the show. And this is one such, along with Dick's Maggot. Whenever I see that, it always comes back in as well. Oh, I must, I'm still debating whether to make that my theme tune, but I just can't bear the thought of my show opening with Dick's Maggot rather than the Queen of Sheba. But hey, what, what can I say about that? Um, but here we go. Piece of Vivaldi, which I think is, um, and I say it every time I play it, it's completely misnamed because it is Nulla in Mundo Pax Sincera, which means in Scouse, which is what I talk. There is no peace in the world now. There is, isn't there? And also when you hear this piece of music, it doesn't sound like a despairing piece of music. It just sounds really, really uplifting, which is why whenever I play it, I say that's what it's called. There is no peace in the world. But don't listen to that. Just listen to the music.
see, there is no peace in the world. But when you listen to that music, there actually is, isn't there? <laughs> it's completely the wrong way around, I think. But that was the wonderful Nicola Benedetti. And she was on the violin. And she was also conducting the Scottish Chamber Orchestra because she is that clever. I remember playing the uh, violin when I was a kid, but I just couldn't get on with it particularly. I don't know why, but I just say I've got no coordination, really. And then I learned the piano when I was in my late 20s. And I managed to get to grade five. <laughs> and now I have a clarinet at home. And I, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's retired, but he is a peripatetic, or was in his, in his life, a peripatetic clarinet player, teacher. And he, was, uh, he still plays every day now. He says he still plays every day. And he's 70 now, and he's, uh, and I've got this clarinet that I, I'm, I'm determined to have a go at, because they do say, don't they, if you want to stave off the dreaded dementia, then you've got to do various things. And one of them is learn a new language. Another one is learn a musical instrument. But I was listening to um, a podcast. I don't know, don't know if you're into podcasts, but they're like radio shows, aren't they? But you can line them up and listen to them whenever you want. And I was listening to this podcast, and there was a guy called Dr. Peter Attia, and he's done all sorts of research on how to live a long, healthy life. So you can live a long life, but you might be ill if you're not careful, if you don't look after yourself. But his view was there were ways to do it. And interestingly, he, he must be, he's got a book out and he was obviously doing the rounds because I think I, I, I then read an interview with him, um, in one of the Sunday supplements. So he's obviously doing the rounds of the, the media. But really interesting about, you know, how do you live a long, healthy life? And number one is, is obviously eat well and then sleep well, obviously. And number three was um, do, do weight-bearing exercise. I'm thinking, excuse me? And, and honestly, it is, this is the thing that if you, if you put tension in your muscles, if you put your muscles under stress, then you, it staves off dementia. I don't know how it works. And it's quite interesting because I was at, um, I was at, uh, because I deal quite a lot with post-retired people and I've got one or two clients who I see slowly slipping into, um, what, what could be perceived as dementia, a bit of memory loss, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in dementia. It just means, you know, you're forgetful. I'm pretty forgetful at the best of times, but you can see people as they get older and especially they get a bit frailer, then they do tend to get a bit frailer, don't they? And, and not, not just in their body, but also they tend to lose a little bit of a grip on what's going on around them. But this guy, Dr. Peter Attia, I'm going to spell his name again, A-T-T-I-A, he's written this book and apparently weight-bearing exercise. So not weightlifting, we're not, we're not talking like the clean and jerk thing that you see at the Olympics, but just general weight-bearing exercise is fantastic for staving off dementia. Who knew? And the fourth thing, which he said, and I can absolutely believe this, um, is having a sense of purpose, a reason to get up and get out in the morning, a reason to go and do something, maybe for somebody else. So if you have family that you want to get involved with, you can do that. Or if you do some volunteering, I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. I haven't bought the book, but I will buy it because I think it's, um, it's a lesson for life, isn't it? How to live a long, healthy life. And so those are the things, but weight-bearing exercise apparently is more than anything else, more than anything else, more than learning the language and doing the musical instrument, whatever, the weight-bearing exercise is the thing. So you heard it here. So off you go. <laughs> go and get two tins of beans and just, you know, wing them around a bit. I'm just, I'm not being a bit silly about the tins of beans, but honestly, do have a think about that. And I was talking about this to a friend of mine today, and he's ex-army, so you can imagine how fit he is. I mean, he's in his 40s now, but still fit as a butcher's dog. 
And apparently he said that once you get past 40, you lose 8% of your muscle mass every single year. I'm, t- I'm going to be half the size that, you know, I'm going to be tiny. I'm not that big now, <laughs> but I do do a bit of exercise, weight bearing, to be honest. But um, I find that yoga is very good for that and doing planks and things. This is not an exercise show. <laughs> Shall I just play some music instead? Oh, go on then.
was delightful, wasn't it? A bit of Puccini there. And it was one of his three minuets for string quartet, <laughs> as you do. And that was the Radio Symphony Orchestra Berlin, and Ricardo Shai was conducting. That's just lovely, isn't it? What have I got now? Oh, this is a, this is a very... I don't often play this one because I can't play it without thinking Brown and Paulson. So back in the 70s, a thousand years ago, there was this ad on the telly and they used this piece of music. So I started playing that, and in my head, I'm, I'm hearing the Brown and Pulse advert. 
Harry used to hate my gravy. Shrek wants to join the Navy. You might remember that. And as, as that's going in my head, the boss goes, oh, I used to play this. And then he started singing a completely different version. Of, I think it was, must have been an army tune. And was it an army thing? Rugby. rugby. It was a rugby song. And it was a version I had never heard. So, uh, But we're going to move swiftly on. We're going to thank Vorjak for his humoresque number seven in G-flat major. And we're going to thank Henrik Maue for actually playing the thing. And we're going to dash on to our second our second uh, member of our holy trinity and this evening we are now going to hear some beethoven and this is his romance number two so if you are with your significant other cuddle up to this
liked it. it was great wasn't it roberto canni and stefania passamonte with beethoven's romance number two in f major and a live performance as you could tell and straight on from beethoven we've got our third and final member of our holy trinity and this is a gorgeous piece of music by bach it's really an easter piece of music it's a saint matthew's passion and uh but even so um, we can pretend that it's not Easter, or because it isn't Easter, we can pretend it's Easter, if you like, and have this glorious thing ringing round your head for the rest of the evening. Because it, re- I nearly played it last actually, because it is one of those pieces that you just want to finish a show on because you just want to hear it. But I thought if I do my usual thing and chat too much at the end, we might not hear it all. So I do want to hear all of this, and I hope you do as well. But here we go, St Matthew's Passion here from Bach.
I wish that piece was half an hour long. <laughs> the John Elliot Gardner there, the Monteverde Choir and the English Baroque soloists. Just absolutely just a feast for your ears. So yes, a bit of bark there. How do you go on from that? Difficult, isn't it? But we will, we will. So here's one from the, for the television, from the telly, from ways back, ways back. And uh, I often mention Votches 8 as uh, a call uh, ensemble, if you like. And this is just the most gorgeous piece of music. It's the theme from Harry's Game. And Gareth McLellan is going to be there with Votches 8 to conduct them in this piece of music. Just listen to this.
that is just so so gorgeous they do uh, they do workshops to watches eight and i've had a look uh sit and go and actually you know sing with them and i would love to do that but they must have a very long waiting list i think they must have people hovering for when they uh they announce their, their workshops and then they just get snapped up. But never mind, maybe one of these days. So down to our last piece of music for this evening. And I'd just like to say, as always, thank you so much for joining me this Thursday evening between 8 and 10. And I'll be doing next Thursday between 8 and 10 as well. More happy classics for you then. So we're going to play out with a piece of music now from Piergin Suite, the Tbilisi Symphony Orchestra. I'm not sure I can pronounce this person's name. Adesias Dimitriadis, Dimitriadis, that's it, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I've got a little tickle in my throat. From the Pierguin Suite. It is not m- morning yet, but it will be uh, in a few hours, and most of that time you're going to be asleep anyway. So here we go, Morning Mood from the Pierguin Suite by Edvard Grieg. Thanks for joining me. See you next week.